So it's the 27th of May, 2021. So I've just had um, the Visaka Puja, and that's uh, passed already. And so sometimes people may ask, uh, which place is the most important place in Buddhism, the Buddhist religion? And we see that we have these four special locations, the place where the Buddha was born, where he attained to the Dhamma, where he first taught the Dhamma, and where he passed into final Nibbana. And so some people may ask, out of those, which is the most important place? And so some people may say that, well, actually the, the developing of the Bharami, of the Buddha, this is uh, the most important uh, because he developed this Bharami for such a long time. And some people may say that his birthplace is the most important because if he wasn't born, then there wouldn't be any place where he could attain to the Dhamma. There wouldn't be any place for him to teach the Dhamma or to pass into final Nibbana. That if he hadn't attained to the Dharma, then he couldn't have taught that Dharma that he attained to. And so, therefore, it um, often depends upon where we come from and what our particular tradition holds to be valuable. And we see that for Japanese people, um, they mostly like to go to the place where the Buddha was born when he first came into this world. Um, because having been born, he was then able to attain and awaken to the Dhamma, to teach and to pass into final Nibbana. But we also see for most Buddhists, however, that they have greatest faith in the place where the Buddha attained to the Dhamma, because this is the place where he was able to permanently destroy all of the defilements. These kilesas, which cause so much incredible suffering. The raga, the lust, the dosa, anger, moha, delusion. It's greed, hatred, and delusion that's there within the hearts of beings that causes such agony. And um, we also have to meet with separation from the things and the people that we love. And this causes us great anguish as well. So we see that there are many different kinds of suffering that we experience. And this is very apparent in the present day and age with the pandemic that spread all over the world. And people really suffer from the separation from their loved ones, from not being able to find the necessities of life or to only be able to come across these with great difficulty. And it's also difficult for many people in the world to get the vaccine, the COVID vaccine. You see in the places, the countries that aren't so prosperous, that aren't so developed, um, it's very hard for them to get this vaccine for the people in these countries to be vaccinated. And so there's a lot of suffering that we can see around us in the world these days. So we see that if there's no birth, or if there is no defilements in the heart, 
then there's no sense of self that appears. And then there's no suffering there. And so many people prefer or like the place where the Buddha defeated these defilements the most, where his heart became pure. And this is the place where the Buddha attains to the Dhamma. But there's also another group of people, perhaps monks who um, incline towards kindness and compassion a lot. And they see that where the Buddha attains to purity, well, that was purity within his own heart only. That belonged to the Buddha. But there weren't other beings who had attained to that purity, who had gained that knowledge. There wasn't any Sangha that had appeared yet. So the Dharma that the Buddha attained to was very subtle, very refined. And the vast majority of people, um, they're not able to realize this, that their minds are so dark because they are covered over with delusion. But it is also possible for there to be people who can gain this knowledge as well, that these people do exist, but they're relatively few. Like how we see in a great mountain that there may be some precious minerals within that mountain, but it's very little compared to the rock. And so through the Buddha's kindness and compassion, he laid down the Dhamma, he taught the Dhamma. And uh, Venerable Anya Kondanya was able to understand this. And this was through the incomparable and limitless kindness and compassion of the Buddha that he had developed from so many lives already. He had cultivated this parami. And then after awakening to the Dhamma, he lived through this kindness and compassion. That having attained, he went and taught. And he taught through purity of mind, through pure intentions, that he didn't want anything in return. And he was willing to go through such incredible hardship, such difficulty to teach the Dhamma. And like how he walked the 200-kilometer journey from Bodhgaya to Varanasi that took him 10 days um, to give that first sermon. That after his awakening, he spent 49 days enjoying the bliss of enlightenment. And then he traveled from Bodhgaya to Varanasi, that 11-day journey on foot, in order to teach uh, the first sermon. And it got good results. And um, after that teaching, he gave uh, some more teachings and all of the five ascetics were able to attain to the Dhamma. Then after that, he taught Venerable Yasa and his 54 companions. And so there were 60 arahants in the world and these were the first 60 fully awakened beings who went to spread the dispensation. And so this came about through the Buddha's kindness and compassion that he had in teaching the Dhamma. And especially monks from overseas, they may really like this place where the Buddha first taught the Dhamma 
because they see that this place is a place that has given so much benefit to others, that the Buddha obtained the Dhamma for himself, but it was at this place, at the deer park, that he gave that Dhamma to others. And um, so really the Dhamma in its explanation, it's not so difficult. You see that as the Buddha taught, that all things that are of the nature to arise are of the nature to cease. And we've all heard that already many times, but do we see that? Do we understand it? All things um, that arise, that it's normal for them to cease. So we see that when people are born into this life, that they have a mother, they have a father, and those parents are very happy at their birth. But when they separate at death, then there's a lot of suffering and grief. And this is how things are. This is the way of the world. But if we contemplate, then we'll see that actually this is something entirely normal. That whenever something comes up, then it just has to go. It has to disappear. And however many beings are born, however many people are born, then that's the number of people that have to die. So if we look, and then we see the things just normal in this way, and these are things which we come across in our everyday lives. Every single day we meet with these things. But why is it that we haven't seen them yet? Why have we not perceived the Dhamma? And what is it that's covering over our heart that stops that vision? Well, it's the delusion. It's the way that our minds are lost and deluded. We have this understanding that there is a me and that I own things. And the minds are deluded in this way. But the Buddha, he teaches us that there's no me, there's no mine, but it's very difficult for us to understand this. We don't see it. So having listened to the Dharma, we need to contemplate this, but we find it very difficult to understand that deeply within our minds because our minds are lacking peace. And because of that, then wisdom isn't able to arise. So training ourselves in mindfulness is something that we need to do a lot. We need to really bring up these qualities of mindfulness or recollection and sampajanya, uh, this clear comprehension. And we bring this up so that our samadhi can become well established. And from that basis, then wisdom can manifest. So we just carry on putting our effort in this way without stopping. We develop these powers of faith, of effort, of mindfulness, of samadhi, and of wisdom. And we need to train in this way. We need to bring up this will to do the practice, put in our effort in this way, so that we can come to see the Dhamma. And if our minds are well established in peace, then that wisdom uh, and that understanding will arise. Uh, because our minds have that basis, but if there's a lack of peace, then the mind will always be involved with issues of me and mine. And there's always be greed, greed, hatred, and delusion coming up, and the mind will proliferate upon these kilesas. And these kilesas, they're always bringing up the sense of self. But if our minds are well established in peace, then it's easy for us to instruct them.
can ask ourselves, well, what's the point in attaching to things? These things, they don't stay, right? They're all unstable, aren't they? Why would you want to get angry? Why would you want to be greedy over things? What's the point? Everyone has to die. I have to die. And when we contemplate like this, then the mind's able to let go. But if we don't have that peace there in our minds, um, then we won't be able to teach them. We won't be able to teach them in a way that they're able to accept this truth. Because the unsettled mind is very stubborn and it's not able to see the truth with clarity. We may tell it in many different ways, but it just doesn't get it. But if our minds have this peace, they have this foundation, then there will be buoyancy in both the body and the mind. And we just teach the mind, just very quickly, very shortly, that, that these things, they're unstable, they're always changing. And understanding appears, the mind gains knowledge. This wisdom comes up um, through the meditation that we're doing. We gain this clear knowing that there isn't a me, there isn't a mine. But in the beginning of our practice, we need to just carry on telling ourselves this, carry on instructing ourselves. And as we carry on going, then uh, this knowledge and this understanding penetrates more deeply into our hearts. Until one day, you know, real knowledge arises for us. But this delusion has been present in the mind for such a very long time now that we just don't have this understanding. Our minds have been clinging onto things for so long. And one day, however, as we carry on with this practice, then light will appear within our minds and they won't be deluded anymore because of this clarity of insight. And we gain this inner eye of wisdom. It's like if we're looking for something and we carry on trying to find it, but we're not able to meet with it. But then one day someone comes and tells us that it's over here. And so we look at the place where they're pointing to and we're able to find it. And so seeing the Dhamma is like that, that we're deluded in this body. Now we take everything to be me and mine. And so we're not able to find the not-self within the body. We don't gain this knowledge. Uh, we're not able to find the things that aren't me, that aren't mine. But when we gain this knowledge, it's not a view that we gain, but rather it's a direct understanding. And there's brightness that appears, that, that, ah, that things really are this way. And then when we bow to the Buddha, to the Dhamma, to the Sangha, then our hearts are full of faith, and there's no doubt anymore. So it's not necessary for us to travel to India. It's not necessary for us to go to pay respects to the places that are very important within the Buddhist religion. Because we can see the Dharma right within ourselves. And we can see these teachings of the Buddha here. We can know uh, that the Buddha was real, that he really did attain to the Dhamma that there is the state that is free from suffering, and this has immense value. That the teachings of the Buddha, this brings such great benefit for the whole of humanity, that he really did awaken, 
that his heart really was pure, that he did have this genuine wisdom in his mind. And we see that if he hadn't taught this Dhamma that he awakened to, then there wouldn't be any great teachers of our era. And so what would happen to us? How would we be then? We wouldn't be able to find this path. It's like we're staying in a dark room, and we're just not able to find a way out. Or perhaps we're in a dark cave, and we don't have any food, and um, flood water is coming in. So how can we possibly find a way out? How can we possibly leave? And if no one comes to help us, then we'll die for sure. So when the mind is peaceful, then we'll gain knowledge in this way. And we'll see that really these things don't have a me, they don't have a mine. And this becomes very clear in our minds. So we need to train in this way so that wisdom can arise for us. So there are these important places in uh, Buddhism. Uh, the place where the Buddha was born, where he attained to the Dhamma, uh, where he taught that Dhamma, where he passed into Fano Nibbana. And um, it wasn't so difficult for many of, or for those first disciples of the Buddha to understand the Dhamma. I just taught this very short teaching, you know, that all things that are of the nature to arise are of the nature to cease. And they were able to see that, they were able to understand that. For Venerable Yasa, however, that uh, when he met the Buddha, he was a lay person. He hadn't yet practiced this um, relinquishment of a monastic. But he did have very strong parami. That he was able to see all of his attendants who were lying around him asleep. And he saw them as being just like corpses. And this is because he had already developed this Asuba Gamatana before this, uh, the meditation theme of perceiving the unattractive nature of the body. So when the Buddha taught him, he first taught about generosity and about sila, about how to not be selfish, uh, but how to conduct ourselves well through body and speech. And he slowly progressed in this teaching, um, developing it in the stages and as Venerable Yasa was listening to the Buddha talk, um, his heart became very quiet, very still. And then the Buddha taught him about these four noble truths, and you could gain understanding into these. He saw that whenever we attach to anything, then suffering arises as a result. He was able to put these things down. And that was because his barami was full already. He had created in previous lives uh, the barami of sacrifice and of generosity, of helping out society through burning the corpses of people who had died. And uh, when he was burning these corpses, um, then he was contemplating into what he was doing. Now, the nature of life and death was very obvious to him, that he could see that both the young and the old, they die. Now, even babies that are still in the womb, they die. And sometimes both the mother and the fetus dies. And uh, so through seeing this, this vision, 
of these burning corpses, um, they, it really stuck in his mind, in his mind's eye. He could see that life really isn't sure. It's not a sure thing. So he had developed his meditation to a good degree already, that he could go into first jhana. And it shows that his mind was in a very good, in a very beautiful state. He contemplated uh, a suba until this nimitta arose within his mind, and then he could go into this first jhana. And so the Buddha taught him in a way that he was allowed to, or could see into the Dhamma. So we see that the Buddha was the teacher of both devas and humans. And some people, when they go to the place where the Buddha passed into Fauna Nibbana, then the tears start flowing. They may feel sorry for the Buddha. And um, there were many of the Buddha's disciples during the time of the Buddha who cried when he passed away. And we see that even nowadays, that's 2,564 years after the Buddha's passing, and there are still many monks when they go to uh, the place where the Buddha passed, and they cry there. And so we see that those people during the time of the Buddha, those of his disciples who hadn't yet seen into the Dhamma, uh, they must have cried for sure. But for those who had already understood the Dhamma, then they already knew that whatever is of the nature to arise is of the nature to cease, and that's normal. And so we should all contemplate this, and see this right within the present moment. See the Dhamma here, how these things arise and they cease. And that's the nature of everything in this world. It all arises, it all ceases. That nothing stays forever, nothing is temporary. All these things change. But the thing that doesn't change is this nature of change. That's the one thing that is for sure, that things are this way. I like how life is not certain, but death is certain. And the only thing that's for sure is that things aren't for sure. And things are inconstant, they're unstable in this way. You see that things are stressful in this way. They're not me, they're not mine in this way. And seeing things to be like this, that is what is for sure. That's what's real. And in seeing things in that way, then there's no birth and there's no death. And that's also something that's real. It does exist. That state of birthlessness and deathlessness. And that is Nibbana. And it's able to fix and cure all of the suffering that we experience. So for us, we're very fortunate that we have this opportunity to practice the Dhamma. And so we should recollect the Buddha's teachings and recollect this day of Visaka. The Buddha attains to the Dhamma on this day. And then we should practice and we should contemplate his teachings. We should really put effort into our meditation so that wisdom arises for us bring up this will, this desire to practice and do it a lot. And if we carry on in this day, then we, in this way, then we will meet with success in our meditation. <laughs>